Welcome to the Dipshit Files, episode 77, Witchtober Time. That's Mrs. Scriptkeeper. Hello. And I'm Mr. Scriptkeeper. Yes. And we are going to talk about what really happened at the Conjuring House today. Mm-hmm. And that, what the hell, this, so this is ghost stories. Essentially, a ghost story. it's a, it's a single story. I've got one story for you today. Mm. And I'm sure our listeners know of the Conjuring House. It's a movie that came out in, I believe it was 2015. Okay. And I watched it having known the story already. Mm-hmm. I watched the movie and Although they really did a good job with the movie, of course Hollywood got involved, and, and it was a little over the top. You got to have story ways. arc. You got to have pinch. Pro- okay. <laughs> and so there was a little extra. It was a little extra right. in there. But what I want to do is just share the real story of allegedly real story mm-hmm. that happened at the time. Well, I've got the file in front of me. Let's open it up and see what the hell's inside. Perfect. An unsuspecting family finds what they believe to be the perfect home. But underneath the facade of this charming farmhouse, there's a sinister force, dark as the abyss. (laughs) Lying beneath the heavy fog upon the land, there lies generations of graves. These graves could hold the key to solving the paranormal nightmare awaiting them. It's an ancient burial ground, isn't it? (laughs) This is the untold story of the old Arnold estate, also known as the Conjuring House. Good PR move. And the demonic forces that dwell within it. Time to talk about some spooky shit, you ready? Harrisville, Rhode Island. A small town located on America's east coast with just a population of an estimated 1,800 people. Mm. Like many towns across the country, you could easily overlook this one at face value. But when we take a deeper look, we discover that this little town has a dark history. It's meth, isn't it? Its story is filled with death. From meth? From murders to drownings and so much more. Hmm. With all of these unfortunate happenings in mind, it makes one beg the question, could there be something evil that stalks this place? Probably not. Something that feeds upon suffering and misery. Probably not more than most towns. Perhaps there is. Mm, And perhaps that is what contributed to the creation of the following story. That's what we're going to fucking look into, isn't it? (laughs) Hell yeah. It all starts in Central Falls, Rhode Island in 1970, where the Perrin family, which consisted of Mother Caroline, Father Roger, and their five daughters, Andrea, Nancy, Christine, Cynthia, and April, They were all living a relatively normal life. Among things like school, work, and outdoor play, nothing seemed quite out of the ordinary. Yet, the children had been gifted a puppy with an exceptionally unique personality. And out of the ether, a name came to mind when they were naming her. Bathsheba. Cool. A unique dog with a unique name. She was she was fond of all the children, but especially Andrea. 
Now 10 years old, she would often take Bathsheba for walks around their suburban neighborhood. However, on one of those walks, tragedy would strike Mm -hmm. and would seemingly set in motion a snowball effect of chaos. You're bringing me a story with an animal that gets hurt? I don't don't like it already. That would follow the family for years to come. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I'm again. I'm sorry. While Andrea had the puppy out in the neighborhood, her sisters had come up from playing outside and decided to make the walk a group activity. And all seemed fine until a car full of teenagers drove by at an incredibly high rate of speed. Slow down, you punks! They seemed to be yelling something in unison and had brightly colored, like, tassels hanging out their windows. Dorks. Bathsheba was a very obedient dog, but the yelling and the bright colored streamers caught her attention. Bright gray streamers. And in an instant, she broke loose from Andrea and bolted towards the vehicle. Mm. The shocked girls then watched the car miss her by mere inches as she made her way safely across the road. What? But... Being the good dog that she was, upon hearing Andrea call out her name, she began to run back to them. No. And in the blink of an eye, she was struck by another vehicle driven by an elderly couple that had never even seen her. Her leash had gotten caught around one of the wheels of their car when they hit her, and she was suffering immensely. Oh, boy. A nearby neighbor called the police, and upon removing the children from the scene... They were traumatized further as they heard the gunshot that ended their poor animal's life. Hmm. The entire Great family. Great story, wife. Thanks. Yeah. The entire family now held a deep despair at the tragedy that had taken place. She wasn't just a pet; she was a member of the family, and there was now an unspoken pain that haunted them. The family had planned a vacation months prior and hoped that a break from their normal routine would help everyone, so they went. And soon, some of their sadness did turn to joy as the family experienced hotels, swimming pools, ice cream shopping. But this joy would, too, be short-lived. The family also had four cats. And upon returning to their home with this newfound sense of well-being, they would endure even more trauma. Now, remember, this is a true story. These things actually took place. It's a weird way of saying you'll find no comfort here. They would discover that almost all of their cats had been viciously killed by the neighborhood kids while they were gone. Lord, Several had every bone in their bodies broken with a baseball bat. Uh, okay. Right? Upon this horrific discovery, their father, Roger, rushed inside the house to call the police, only to find their home absolutely ransacked as well. Furniture was turned upside down. Mirrors and windows were broken. All of their provisions left to spoil from their t- their tipped-over refrigerator, wow. and their carpet was doused with motor oil. It would later be discovered that two of their cats were killed by a group of kids. Oh, One would never be seen again, and the other had been seriously beaten, but would survive. What? Although the neighborhood was known for angsty teenagers and roughhousing kids, the family wondered, how could these kids conduct such evil? A police report was filed, and it was shortly discovered that the demon seed who had led these awful, awful actions was their 12-year-old neighbor. The young man was seemingly a born criminal. Upon being confronted, the boy's mother covered for her son, and despite their best efforts, due to lack of evidence, nothing much would come of the report with the police. But Andrea, she would have her revenge. She had yet to come to terms with the precious Bathsheba's death and now this 
The rage inside her compounded. After some thorough planning, she attacked the boy who was responsible, beating him ferociously, mm. breaking his nose, blackening his eyes until she was pried off by a nearby neighbor and told to go home. All this wouldn't bring her animal back, but it felt justified to the young girl, given what the boy had done. Yeah. But these antics of sadness, hostility, and rage would soon manifest into something much, much darker. Ever since their home was ransacked, Carolyn, the mother, she had just wanted to move. But knowing they weren't in a financial state to do so, they had little to no choice other than to stay. Living in the motor oil. Yeah, so she kept an ever-watchful eye on her children, letting, out, letting them out of the house rarely and mostly under supervision, given the prior events. Sad shit. She wanted them raised by wild nature not wild beasts. We are wild nature. Shortly after this time, Roger had prepared to depart for a business trip, which was to last several days. Even amidst the turmoil of the current events, he still had to provide for his large family. And while his family was just waking up that morning, as he and his wife Carolyn enjoyed their morning cup of coffee, they were suddenly startled by the sound of a large explosion Hmm. in their front yard, like someone had fired a cannon towards their house. Not a good thing. Scared shitless, they raced outside to discover what had happened. Shortly after purchasing their little home, Carolyn had built a rock garden of sorts at the entrance of their driveway. Her friends had often teased her that its centerpiece resembled a tombstone without the inscription of the dearly departed. (laughs) Well, to the family's shock, the neighbor from across the street had started his truck that morning and evidently had suffered a major heart attack and he died at the wheel. His foot pressing down on the gas, causing the truck to barrel directly at the parents' home and smash right into that large rock. It was almost like something ominous was following them, like a living, breathing organism feeding on the family's grief. After this horrible event, people began to refer to the rock garden as the graveyard. Later on, upon being greeted and offered condolences by the family, Mrs. Curtis the wife of the neighbor who had passed away actually blamed them for what had happened, declaring that Carolyn never liked him anyways, and she was a witch. That was enough for Carolyn. Again, she begged Roger to move, but they were seemingly stuck. Despite the awful circumstances, Roger still had to work, so he departed for his business trip. While her husband was gone, it was up to Carolyn to take care of their five children. This meant taking them to and from school, as well as music lessons and and much more. While attending her daughter Andrea's music lessons, she had forgotten to bring a book to help her pass the time. So Carolyn went and purchased a newspaper as a substitute. Before too long, she found herself daydreaming and looking through the various ads of real estate available, wanting and wishing that she could change their current predicament. To which, strangely enough, the universe seemed to take notice. Hidden among many other homes was a nine-bedroom farmhouse with a barn, lots of land, and seclusion. Sounds nice. Its beautiful design and elegance soon had Carolyn imagining her children playing on the property and being raised in a natural environment that she had so badly desired for them. Here, she could allow them to do so without the fear of the children attempting to harm them, other children. Mm -hmm. 
She almost immediately became obsessed with the idea of purchasing the house, and although the family really couldn't afford it at the time, without seeking Roger's permission, she made a call and went to take a look at the old Arnold estate the following day. Hmm. The owner was a very nice elderly woman, and although she didn't have much, Carolyn asked how much she'd have to put down to hold the home so she could purchase it once her husband had returned from his business trip. An agreement of $500 as a good faith payment was made. Hmm. Shortly after Roger arrived back home several days later, he was blindsided by his wife's decision. Although his anger would soon turn to understanding, and even still, he didn't know exactly how they'd even make it work, he decided to placate his wife and allow them to purchase the home. It took some time, but before long, they found themselves packing and coming into possession of the keys to their future. Although none of them could foresee just how dark of a future it was going to be. Mm -hmm. In December 1971, the Perrin family moved. Having seemingly found the home of their dreams located on a large swath of land outside of Harrisville, Rhode Island, what would become known as the old Arnold estate almost seemed too perfect, like an answer to their desperate prayers. Hmm. It's a large farmhouse, which has nine bedrooms, a barn, and plenty of land, which they can envision their children playing on and having a wonderful time. Although it's winter, they go ahead and begin to move into their new house. Now, there's a massive snowstorm happening while they're moving in, but this doesn't deter the large family from getting settled into what they believe is going to be a charming, nice new home for all of them. And a safe place for their fucking animals! Right. Jesus. Given everything they've been through, I would have hoped for the same, and for the first three months, things are charming, nice, and normal. Hmm. Their rustic farmhouse has its challenges given its fairly old age, such as being very cold that winter, but nothing they can't deal with. That's when the radon kicks in. Or so they think. (laughs) All around, the feeling is a happy one for the family, but this happy mood would soon change. Hmm. Upon meeting their nearest neighbors, they seem rather strange. They offered one piece of advice to Roger and Carolyn. For the love of your family... Keep the lights on at night. This house is perfect, you guys. I hope you enjoy the place. Yeah. Is there anything else about the house I should know? Yeah, for the sake of your family, keep your lights on at night. Oh, my fuck. Don't you ever turn them off. I'm sorry, what? Keep the lights on and extra bulbs so they never run out. Pray the power never goes out. Get candles. Wait, what is going on here? Oh, our ancestors built this house on an ancient burial ground. And the ghosts are not happy. Are you serious? Just keep the lights on. You'll be fine. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. Now, this obscure warning was originally dismissed by the couple. However, a weird right, right. Yeah. However, these words would seem to be rather fitting. Um, it would be foreshadowing for the events to come. <laughs> so when the frozen land of the farm began to thaw, it seemed like something thawed along with it and began to plague them once again. One night when the daughters, Nancy and Andrea, were asleep in their shared bedroom, They were suddenly uh, awakened by the sound of their door opening and closing, Mm. opening and closing, opening and closing. Which is what you want a door to do when you're sleeping. Petrified by the noise of the door smacking the wall and the realization that this was their only way out of the room, they ran towards the door to try and escape when suddenly it stopped moving and just stayed open, still creaking from being moved. Mm. 
catching their breath and trying to wrap their minds around what they just saw, the girls began thinking that maybe one of their sisters was, was playing a prank on them. The two girls looked down the hall and eventually made their way to their sister's rooms where they found them all sound asleep. Needless to say, they wouldn't sleep the rest of the night. The girls would bring this to the attention of their parents the following morning, but were quickly dismissed, as often is the case, and they were told that they just had overactive imaginations. Now, from here, things started small, but became very noticeable as they blossomed into much bigger experiences. Mm. In the beginning, whatever spirits they believed could be in the house seemed benevolent, almost good-natured, with some of the younger siblings later stating that, on occasion, they would even be tucked into bed by the spirit of a woman. But these warm, loving actions were short-lived. Items soon began to go missing. Car keys weren't where they had been hung previously. Daily items, such as coffee mugs, toys, and, and kitchen utensils, were soon disappearing as well. Carolyn would hear the scraping of a broom on the floor or the knocking of a kettle in the kitchen when no one else was home but her. Additionally, upon cleaning the floors, she would find piles of dirt that would appear out of nowhere, almost as if someone had already swept, making her feel as if she was going crazy. But these small happenings, too, would soon become even larger. The children would often play a game called Hide and Clap, a version of hide-and-seek. I don't know if I want to know about it. <laughs> At hide-and-clap. At this given time, Andrea was the seeker, and her sisters went off hiding throughout the estate. Cindy made her way into the woodshed, and she found a small box just big enough for her to get inside. Now, determined to win this game, she climbed into the box and slid the small lid over the top, figuring this would be an excellent hiding place. And she was right. After several minutes, she realized no one was coming for her and attempted to remove the lid, except it wouldn't budge. Shit. Panicking in complete darkness, she used all means necessary to try and remove the lid and free herself. After screaming at the top of her lungs and worrying that she'd suffocate inside this box, she was thankfully found by Andrea, Mm. who slid the lid off with no effort at all and revealed her horribly distressed younger sister inside. Mm. Now, it's important to note that this was a sliding cover. There was no locking mechanism at all on this cover. Mm. They wanted her. Along with this terrifying event, the children's rooms were often rearranged daily. They would leave their belongings one way in the morning and return to find their space either a complete mess, as if a small cyclone had hit their rooms, or all of their belongings would be literally smashed underneath their beds. That's how I used to clean my room. And this happened to all the girls at one point or another. These small whispers, bangings, and movements did indeed become larger. Andrea, being the oldest, would often be awakened uh, by her younger siblings and would hold them as they sobbed their eyes out, terrified to return to their own bedrooms. Cindy, in particular, began to hear a sinister voice call out to her almost every night. The voice would tell her that there were seven dead soldiers in the walls and would repeat it over and over and over all night long. Wow. The children, now completely terrified, begged their parents to believe them 
And although they too were beginning to experience things on their own, they didn't want to frighten the children further, so they did what could be done to placate them. Shut up, children. However, soon the entire family began to hear the wails of something they called inhuman, calling out for its mother. This disturbing experience had no explanation and was followed by even more disturbing happenings. Okay. The beds of the girls would lift up and Ooh. shake by an unseen force almost always around 5.15 a.m. Hmm. As if something was trying to send some kind of message, although it was never clear just what that message was supposed to be. During the day, the apparitions of spirits began to manifest and stalk the halls of the old Arnold estate. These were soon coupled by the horrible stench of rotting flesh wafting throughout the house. Soon the girls weren't the only ones whose doors were slamming open and closed and whose beds were lifting up on their own as it began happening to their parents as well. Well, then they'll believe them. One night, Carolyn woke up suddenly to see the figure of an old woman hovering over the foot of her bed. Carolyn said that her hair was like a sack of cobwebs with little tendrils hanging off. Hmm. The woman's head was also bent at a sharp angle and hanging off to the side as if her neck was horribly broken. Wow. Her gnarled mouth screaming at her with an echoing voice. You see, when radon gets into your lungs and into your brain, <laughs> you start to see weird, crazy shit. This woman shouted, get out. She shouted it over and over again until she suddenly was no longer there. Just needed to get it out of her system, you know. The Perrin family continued to endure a living nightmare as the traumatic paranormal activity persisted and continued to scale in intensity. How does one fight an enemy he can't see? Something he can't touch or feel, attack or defend against? This question and more ran through the minds of Roger and Carolyn as they not only feared for themselves, but their children as well. Meh, fuck them. Parents are supposed to be their offspring's natural protectors. Yeah, not in this case. They're how, screwed. How anxiety-inducing it must have been to probably know. These, it's probably one of these kids that brought them in. They brought, <laughs> probably opened up some portal to a demon shit because they were fucking around in the backyard. Well, how much anxiety would it bring on uh, to know that they were powerless to stop whatever it was that was terrorizing all of them each and every night? I, I mean, that's stressful. In an effort to try and understand what was happening to them, Carolyn began to research the history of their house and was absolutely shocked by what she found. Over eight generations of the Arnold family had lived and died within the home, hmm. some by horrible means. According to the Black Book of Burlville, the town's former public records book, these deaths included two suicides by hanging, one within the family barn, one by poison, the assault and murder of a young girl named Prudence Arnold by a farmhand, mm -hmm. two drownings in the nearby creek, and four men who froze to death. And these are just among some of the notable deaths. Well, there needs to be one named Mary, because that generally <laughs> is going to be the one that's causing all the problems. One death that caught her eye in particular was that of a woman named Bathsheba Sherman. Oh, well. Yes. Bathsheba, huh? Uh-huh. What are the odds? Mm. Her name was even spelled exactly like that of their dog that they had previously owned, and her story was as interesting as it was disturbing. Born Bathsheba Thayer 
1812, she married fellow Rhode Islander Judson Sherman in Connecticut on March 10, 1844. Hmm. Now, according to available information from that time, the two had a son named Herbert, and for all intents and purposes, things seemed normal. But that couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah, they named the kid Herbert. Shit. (laughs) After losing three children, all before the age of seven, Bathsheba began to care for her neighbor's children. Maybe perhaps to fill the void of such sorrow could create. And it's here where things take a weird turn. While caring for the infant of a nearby family, the infant suddenly passed away within Bathsheba's care. An investigation ensued, and it was found that the child had a puncture wound in its skull, as if someone had taken a large sewing needle and sent it through the child's head. Rumors of devil worship and witchcraft soon became rife, with many believing she had indeed sacrificed her children to Satan, robbing them of their young lives. Some people are fucking awful. (laughs) Although Bathsheba was never punished for the child's death since there never was a trial this didn't stop her behavior from becoming increasingly bizarre she became incredibly reclusive strange and dark rumors say that she supposedly attempted to murder other children while confessing her love for satan Mm. before she then climbed atop the highest tree on the estate cursing everyone before hanging herself now Although that would make for a much more fascinating story, it didn't seem to be true. Rumors may indeed have spread, but there's evidence of multiple child deaths, including the infant via a needle-like object. But her tombstone reads her death as May 25th, 1885. So it appears that she passed away as an old woman. Hmm. But perhaps given the circumstances, maybe she became more bitter with age. Another strange detail that was uncovered was one of the hanging deaths that took place within the barn on the estate. It was that of Catherine Arnold. She had seemingly out of the blue one day, made her way from the house to the barn, gathered a rope, and hung herself from the rafters. She was frozen solid when she was later discovered. It seemed like whatever paranormal force that stalked the land tormented the matriarchs of the families that lived there. Oh, great, a sexist ghost. And fed upon death itself. Mm, These supernatural occurrences that now plagued the Perrin family were a daily occurrence. They soon also began to physically touch the family as well. Poking soon turned to pushing. A hand on the shoulders soon turned to slapping and scratching and more. Advanced fucking ghosties. Mm-hmm. Not a fan. One day, oh boy. when Carolyn was reading a book in the living room, she felt a piercing pain in her calf. Upon examination, she saw what appeared to be a puncture wound like that of a needle, with a small dribble of blood now coming out of her leg. These attacks didn't stop there. Carolyn soon believed that it was Bathsheba who was causing the majority of her problems. The spirit seemed to hide her things daily, making her feel as if she was going insane while simultaneously lusting after her husband. A phantom fornication. In later interviews, Roger stated that he never felt threatened by her spirit and that he only ever saw her sweeter side, such as comforting touches and the feeling, maybe the feeling of an embrace. A couple of handies here and there. Well, he, he has a, a hando. He has a story of uh, being cuddled in the bed. Guaranteed Dan Aykroyd, who wrote Ghostbusters, saw, heard the story and oh. thought, oh yeah, ghost fucking, <laughs> yeah. Well, 
uh, his wife was waking up with strange bruises and marks. Um, she was just being attacked in the night. And we're sure she wasn't a sleepwalker or anything? Well, it, there was no evidence of that. Okay. There was never any issues before or after. So well, It's hard to detect a sleepwalker sometimes. They just kind of do shit, right? Wake <laughs> up with dirty feet, like, what the fuck? Really? I don't know. I watched you do it a little bit. I know. Okay. I, I used to sleepwalk. No. I did. I don't anymore. In later interviews, Andrea Perrin also stated that the whole family believed it was the spirit of Bathsheba who was mostly tormenting Carolyn as if she saw herself as the matriarch or the mistress of the house and that Carolyn was some kind of competition, Hmm. an obstacle between her and Roger's affection. Mm -hmm. The handos. On the verge of losing her mind and being tortured daily, Carolyn and the entire family, they were barely holding things together. Carolyn had vented to a friend of hers named Barbara about what had been going on in the house. And strangely enough, this friend also happened to have attended a lecture that was being given by renowned paranormal scholars and demonologists Ed and Lorraine Warren. Oh, really? And it was Barbara that actually told the Warrens about the Perrin family and their struggles. Oh, they fucking crapped on. Now, intrigued, they were put into mutual contact with one another. And before long, the Warrens arrived at the front door of the old Arnold estate. With the weirdest equipment you've ever seen. Little calculators (laughs) and shit glued on top of a fucking camera just Mm -hmm. for reasons. Upon stepping into the home for the first time, Lorraine Warren noticed a heavy, malevolent presence. Upon further investigation over the course of several weeks... It was her perfume, and she was like, oh, shit, I gotta change that. The couple told the family that they indeed were being haunted by the spirit of Bathsheba, and that she had made a pact with Satan himself. After sacrificing one of her children to him, she then hung herself on the property in order to haunt it forever. Oh, wow. Right? That's a, that's a pretty yeah, commitment. That's a committed that's son a, of a that's bitch. A, that's a big statement. Mm-hmm. This is why the family was often seeing the broken-necked apparition of the woman with the wispy hair. Hmm. Evidently, it was her. Over the course of several months, the Warrens would visit the old Arnold estate in order to try to assist the family with ridding themselves of the spirits in the home. However, none of their work had come as a benefit to the family. All of these events seemed to culminate with a seance one stormy night. Mm, boy. The parents, <laughs> Roger and Carolyn, along with the Warrens, were joined by a priest and a fellow medium. A whole bunch of weirdos. To conduct a seance to try and establish further contact with the entities within the home to better understand just why they were plaguing the family. Wait, they were, there was a priest and a medium? Yep. That's like cats and dogs. They're like, oh, you're wibbity, oh, you're a little hippity jibbity. Well, oh, fighting. I love the, it. The, the Warrens actually had a priest that they worked with quite often oh, on fuck. these cases. This is like an 80s sitcom or like <laughs> 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock on ABC show. All right. <laughs> Touched by a fucking ghosty. <laughs> now, the girls were confined to their rooms upstairs, and they're not allowed to partake in the ritual. Mm. This ritual oh, was That's this good. this ritual was conducted in the basement, one of the alleged sources of the dark energy, according to Lorraine. That's where the radon is. <laughs> now, in the middle of this ritual, Carol seemingly became possessed. As she exhibited violent behavior, she was restrained to a chair in order to prevent her from hurting herself and others. The entity that now inhabited her body 
claimed to be that of Bathsheba. And before everyone's eyes that was present, Carolyn began to not only speak in a language that was unrecognizable, but a voice that wasn't even her own. I can do that. Jesus, dude. She then began to... <laughs> the dog le- is disturbed. Sorry. She is. She then began to levitate in the chair. Nice. And she flew across the room while still attached to the chair. Okay, let me try that. Hold on. Although they were forbidden to witness the event, as curious children often do, right. Andrea, along with her younger sister, Cindy, they snuck open the basement door. And they watched the events unfold for themselves. Mm. Their testimonies were also where some of the details are sourced. Carolyn was now mangled and distorted, her body twisted in an unnatural position. And after several hours of attempting to cast the spirit out, she finally went limp and lay catatonic on the floor. After his wife had seemingly been freed, Roger called the entire thing off. He was not only concerned for his wife's well-being, but his children's as well. And although the Warrens were trying to help, things just seemed to get so much worse when they were there. So, disregarding their advice, he threw them out and forbid them and their associates from ever investigating the hauntings at the old Arnold estate ever again. Well, shit. And I would have got away with it, too, if it wasn't for you cunts. Later in life, the 77-year-old Roger would recall, quote, she was possessed. Her entire body was distorted, and it lasted several hours until they de-demonized her. Mm-hmm. Then I threw them out. I just couldn't take it anymore, end quote. Mm-hmm. The family's torment continued with varying intensity until 1980, when they were finally able to sell the old Arnold estate and move to Georgia in a bid to rebuild their lives. Finally, they were free of the horrible events that had plagued them for nearly a decade. Hmm. But all those happenings, all those traumatic moments would never be forgotten by any of them. They all realized that they were truly lucky to have escaped with their lives as well as their sanity. Going back and not only reading various interviews, Andrea Perone's books and watching interviews of the family, they not only seemed genuine, but really had nothing to gain by claiming to have experienced these things. It really seemed like they had suffered. I mean, they threw out the Warrens, which mm-hmm. which is interesting in and of itself. I but would have done it. If I saw my family member twisted into a pretzel and exhibiting demonic behavior, I'd probably be pretty freaked out as well. I would have taken them directly to the church and be like, your problem. You would not. You got, a, you got all the holy water. Your no. problem. No. The story of the haunting at the old Arnold estate in the Perrin family was used as the basis for the Conjuring movie, in which they also used uh, this family as consultants Mm. for accuracy's sake. Now, as the film does, of course, it takes liberties as most Hollywood films do. As these people might have as well. But it's a good one. Mm. I mean, the movie's good. Mm. Having listened to this episode, uh, you're now fully aware of what allegedly really happened. So, you know, you can compare the two. Since selling the home, reviews have been mixed by other residents, with one woman claiming that the home wasn't haunted at all, and even condemning and suing the conjuring filmmakers for causing her distress because of a flow of trespassers on her property looking for evidence. Hmm. And others, still, stating that the home is still very well haunted, indeed. 
the more current owners who uh, we'll call Steve and Jennifer because I didn't have their names. Okay. Welcome the spirit, uh, the spirits of the home and the history of the home when they moved in. Claiming to have only slept in the smaller wing of the estate for the first four months that they lived there, they didn't want to overstep their boundaries with whatever was haunting the property. Now, side note here. I would never do that. If I buy a house that's knowingly haunted, you move in. And just like uh, any other roommate, when you move into a house, evidently haunted house, you move in, you introduce yourself, mm-hmm. you you set your boundaries, you set your space, don't be an asshole and share the space. Yeah, you don't just gonna, hide in a corner. But you're going to shit and it's going to stink and the ghost is going to be like, oh. Well, then they're going to have to just deal with it. And there's going to be bean time. You have to find, <laughs> you and have to. be bopping your own beans. <laughs> there has to be an understanding there between your roommates. Yeah, but, you know. You know, you got you to gotta find common ground. Not between two and four. <laughs> I'm bopping my beans. So when they finally opened the door to the wing of the larger part of that house, they both claimed to be awakened by a shadowy figure that very same night. Mm. The couple would say that it was thick and pitch black in color, and it was peeking at them from behind the door frame. Now, although most people would be terrified of the prospect of dealing with a shadow figure of any sort, right. the couple understood that they were guests of this home, even though they purchased it, and were just excited to have experienced anything at all. Well, for crockies. All right. However, they also admit that although they do continue to experience strange things from time to time, it's nothing like what the parents say they experienced. Nothing quite as malevolent or evil by any means. Now, despite criticisms and support, the parents to this day remain adamant that their story is true. With Andrea saying in an interview with USA Today, quote, both my mother and I would soon swallow our tongue and tell a lie. People are free to believe whatever they want, but we know what we truly experienced. Yeah, End we quote. We need to see it because we could have been under the influence of radon prior, or crack. Prior to her death, when asked the events of the haunting, Lorraine Warren claimed that she still felt traumatized all these years later about what had taken place that stormy night during the seance at the old Arnold estate. Well, she was definitely on crack. Lorraine stated, quote, the things that happened there were so incredibly frightening and it still affects me to talk about it to this day, end quote. Hmm. Lorraine was reunited with Ed on April 18th of 2019. May she rest well. These days, people have visited the house, such as various paranormal groups, researchers, and fans of the Conjuring universe. They have described feeling multiple things when first stepping in the home. Some claiming to see shadow figures, others feeling a heavy presence to the point where it actually makes them feel nauseated. Regardless, there certainly does seem to be something there. At the end of the day, I think the haunting, given all the research I've done, is more than likely legitimate. There are just too many sources backing up what took place. Hmm. Not to mention the family didn't gain anything from experiencing what they did. There was That's no... they didn't have a really good agent. If they well, really they, thought about it harder, they probably were like, oh, we're going to make a bunch of money. And they're like, well, how do we do that? And they the they, agent. You they, can't get the agent. They didn't gain anything. They gained public ridicule. Uh, you they can turn lost, that into an agent. Look at Carrot Top, killing it in Vegas. They lost their home. 
their reputations were destroyed and they were humiliated. We should probably talk about this in the conclusion. For decades. Yeah. The surviving members still claim it's all true to this day. All right. Well, let's discuss it. I'll, I'll bring my open mind to the other side. Okay. Okay. And now it's time to conclude this week's Witchtober fuckery. Ah. Well, that was a fucking creepy-ass story. Wasn't it, though? Yeah. And the animals, man. I know. I'm stuck on that from the beginning. I how, know. How the animals The animals are a difficult one. And that sets it up. It was in a whole different place. And I bet, bet, bet. So thank you for all the research on that one. That must have been interesting for you. It was. And, and I've been kind of looking into this story. This is one of the stories that has... Uh, significantly creeped me out from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of haunting stories out there. True, allegedly true stories. This one here got me, though, because this family was experiencing some challenges um, in the beginning. Mm-hmm. The challenges didn't come about, though, until they chose this fucking weird name for this dog. Right. You know, they lived in a suburban neighborhood. Uh, they the, real quick. One mm-hmm. of the children got involved in some evil shit. They were doing some stuff in the backyard. It, you know, condemned the dog, <laughs> and they had that just fell through. Just wasn't good. The the thing is, uh, maybe maybe that's true. Um, but Andrea, who was the oldest, she never admitted to that. It was never brought up. It's not anything she ever shared. Oh yeah, that's just me speculating. You know. So who knows? But as soon as they chose, they grabbed this weird name out of the ether, named their dog this weird name. Mm -hmm. Everything got weird because they had this dog for, I think they had their dog for two years prior to losing the dog. Mm. So So enough to be very, 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 very attached to this dog. This wasn't just a brand new puppy. This dog had been with them for a long time. As soon as they got the dog and, and, during that two-year period, things got strange. The neighborhood started going downhill. They got some new neighbors moved in. They had some rambunctious preteens and teenagers around them. And it was during this two-year period, I think it was from 1968 to 1970, things in their suburban neighborhood really changed. Their life changed. Everything around them changed. And it was just during that period of time where this story kind of began to snowball and the negative stuff happening in their lives just began to get worse and worse. Mm. Now, they were targeted because they thought Carolyn was a witch mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. They, they, it was a rumor that she was a witch because she liked to grow her own vegetables. <laughs> she liked to grow flowers. Burn the witches! She was, she preferred to have her children live a more natural life than the life that her neighbors expected her you to live. You buy Campbell's soup and you fucking like it. Right. So she was a little different. And right. because of that, they targeted this family. Well, people, we're, we're not great creatures. We're not the right. Greatest. Sometimes we can be good. But so, most of the time we're not great. you know, and, and Carolyn, if you listen to some interviews and you read Andrea's book, Carolyn was a sensitive herself as far as, you know, empathic. She mm. was a sensitive woman. She was not a Wiccan to the best of my knowledge. She didn't practice witchcraft. She just was kind of a hippie, mm. you know, and she wanted to live off the land and she wanted to have natural children and all that. So she was... She was looked at. She was singled out as a weirdo right. because of that, because of the neighborhood. 
And, and you these, know, these people were extreme with their beliefs. Mm-hmm. And so they thought, well, we should do some stuff. We should person. just, yeah, drive them out because she's evil yeah. because we don't understand her. People don't, people don't like people that are very different from them by a lot. If I, it's by a lot in any kind of way. You I speak know. a different language, you look different, you act different. You know. I am fully aware. Like, get the fuck out, is I what we think. fully aware. Very strange. Of how people treat other people who are different. Yes. So We haven't figured that out in, I think humans have been running around 250,000 years, probably. Right. Well, you know, pe- people are typically, it's just human nature to be afraid your first reaction is to be afraid of something you don't understand. Right. That's just the first reaction. But you have to be able to uh, think and and rationalize and try and understand things to get over that fear. And most people never go that far. Right. They just stay afraid and, and they lash out in anger. Hmm. And they kill your cats and they kill your dog and they bash your house and pour motor oil on your carpet. I'm against that. I think that most people should be against that yeah i agree i'm just i'm on that team mm-hmm. big statement i'm against bad things <laughs> and treating people wrong so you I'm think very brave you think the parent family uh was accosted by radon in both houses yeah okay and some other stuff probably in the noggin okay you never know because the kids are going to go with whatever the parents are going through mm-hmm. in some sense they're going to Whatever kind of world we create for our kids, they're like, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. They're in it with us uh, up to a certain age. Mm-hmm. And once they get into schools, they'll have peers that are like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? Mm-hmm. That's weird. You should take a shower. But I don't know. I All of it sounds... I always want to give people the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. because, I, you know, like you said, there's a lot to lose by what they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I do see that there's such a huge variety of these... Uh, experiences that people have mm-hmm. it makes me think of glitches in the matrix it makes me think that the programming mm-hmm. comes unwired or about multiple universes or dimensions and shit like that mm-hmm. and it's like all right yeah. fucking, uh, there's a lot of very scrupulous very sober people that deal in this stuff mm-hmm. and yeah i poo poo it a lot of the times and some of the people that chase these things so many people that delve into that world discredit so much of it mm-hmm. by being hyperbolic and wanting to see things and putting A to C instead of A, B, C and, mm-hmm. you know, just wanting to skip ahead. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I became skeptical over time because a lot of the claims that I saw made in this specific world mm-hmm. of the paranormal stuff, because a lot of people want it to be true. Mm-hmm. You get a lot of attention from it. There's a whole class of people that are not critical about it at all. And they're just like, holy fuck, you saw ghosts too. Let's join a group and mm-hmm. let's talk about it. And it builds into a thing and then books are sold. And then mm-hmm. there's a lot of interest in it. So there's a lot of movies like those ghost shows. I mean, at this point, it's a scientific, you know, they're running a study. It's like, have they seen one yet? And 25 different shows with mm-hmm. 13 seasons and shit. It's mm-hmm. like, no, no, they haven't. Not one thing. You know, it's I, I find it interesting because... Sorry, I went off there. I think there are some ex- very valid experiences out there. Absolutely. Um, I've had some very valid experiences of my own. Me too. I However, I also think that... Radon is a thing. And <laughs> I'm sorry. You want to? You keep going to radon, <laughs> and I'm going to finish my thought in just a moment. I'm going to come back to the radon thing right this second. Okay. For individuals who have experiences at home, radon, 
could potentially be a thing. Well, it gets in your system, so you can take it out of the house. Right. Okay, so you, you really, and you know this to be fact, that radon sits in your system for how long before it dissipates? Oh, it's like LSD. It's in there. You'll get a trip later in life. I have 0% of an idea. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> okay. So I was just going to say, does that mean radon is everywhere they go? Because some of these people have experiences at the hotel that they decided to stay at. If they have breakfast cereal, I've heard from good sources that radon is especially attracted to breakfast cereal, mainly like things that are fruity. Mm. And it'll, if you eat that, then mm. you're fucked because you have it all the time. Really? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I can tell by the look on your face. You're trying to blow smoke up my ass. It was working for a second. You thought no, about the breakfast cereal? No, I did not believe a word you were saying, but okay. I thought you were being serious because I thought you read something somewhere and I'm oh. like, he really believes what he's saying, but you right. don't I look pretty stupid. You're, you're so just, you're just, easy to believe. you're just being a smart ass. Anyways, I forgot what I was going to say. I'm sorry. I That's did. okay. I, I was all down the thing. It, it, the radon thing gets me every time because it's like, oh, please. Happy to help. Unscrupulous, uh. Yeah. Ghost chasers. I guess that's that's where... Ghost chasers. <laughs> so people do... I think a lot of people will jump to conclusions. Not just with the paranormal, but with everything in life. They jump from point A to point X with nothing in between. Right. And I agree that that is an issue. Mm. However... Forever. There are some, I think... There's interesting stuff. Valid experiences yeah. out there. Right to share and to be listened to. And that's Witchtober, baby. And this story, of course, it happened in 1970 to 1980. These people lived this way for 10 fucking years. Mm -hmm. They lived this way for 10 years. That's insane. So... It could be mold in the house. Black mold. That'll mess with you. It could have been. Maybe they but were they ingesting lived, some weird water sources. They lived to... I mean, the kids are still alive. Yeah. And they're probably away from the radon and the weird water and the mold. They s they still hold to their story. I know. You can experience stuff when you're high on mold and be like, I remember that. Remember when remember when you did mushrooms and you're like, fuck. No, I've oh, never done mushrooms. Okay. Well, somebody remembers and they're like, well, there probably weren't any little gnomes. <laughs> there was probably in my head that I saw the gnomes. But the chemical, right. the chemical changes. I don't mean to belittle anyone's story. And I'm sure that there's a pocket full of people that are like, how dare I? You're a dick, Zach. But it is super interesting. I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad they told their story. I'm sorry it happened to them. Mm -hmm. Check your house for radon. There's detectors for that stuff now. Mm -hmm. That was a problem in the 70s and 80s. People just built willy-nilly, man. We need a t-shirt. We need a Dipshit Files t-shirt that says... Check for radon. It's probably radon. No, I don't think so. Hashtag radon. No. Yep. It would be like a public service <laughs> kind of shirt. <laughs> Okay. Oh, my God. Well, thank you for all the research. Oh, and, you're welcome. And sorry for not having as open a mind as I maybe could uh, in these. I think I, I'm, I'm curious. We just can't double blind test these things. It's mm -mm. so far away from science being able to quantify mm -hmm. these things. And maybe we're not supposed to know. I mean, that's part of the journey of being a fucking weird animal yeah. in the sandbox of the simulation. I don't know. Yeah. I love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for doing that cool research. You're and welcome. Us Witchtober Spookies. We'll do that again next week and mm -hmm. all through the month of October. Yep. I'm having fun already. Uh, I'll try and be more open-minded to the monsters and the things. I don't expect you to be open-minded when no. it comes to these sorts of things. Um, I've got... Yeah, fuck them. They're all on crack and I, radon. I have a lifetime of experiences. So when it comes to these sorts of things, some of them, I, I, I can't believe them. I just can't. Right. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't fit. But there are other ones where it's like, huh, not that the whole story feels true, 
But there's a good 70% of it hmm. that does feel valid. And then the rest 30% of it is just their reaction to the fear mm-hmm. of what had transpired. So that's where my brain sits most of the time was, you know, with these stories that really do creep me out. This one creeps me out. Fair enough. You know, I think that, um, I, that, that ratio is, is loose and, mm-hmm. you know, but 70% of it, I think actually took place. Right. The banging, the whispers. The, the doors, the bed shaking, um, the bruising, the weird shit, um, being held. They did held. a real seance, but it was probably, I just don't trust that kind of stuff. They did a real seance, yes, but I have a very difficult time with the possession thing. All that stuff. And the pretzeling, and but the husband, you know. hand jobs by the ghost, I don't know. You're the one that said that. Well, you said he was cuddling. and there were, What do you do when you're cuddling to... If, Okay, they're just you. You're the one that said. Have you ever been hugged by a ghost? Of course. Like I mean, if if I live on the earth, everywhere is haunted. There's ghosts everywhere. Probably I'm in a ghost's butthole right now. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yes, I'm being. I'm hugged by a ghost right now. Oh my god! Never mind. My my grandpa's hugging me right Mm. now. (laughs) I don't know. You're such a smart ass. Look at your face. I don't know if I. I wish we had this on camera. No, we would. We don't. Yeah, I do. There's no reason for that to ever happen. I would say no. Uh, I've never been hugged by a ghost. Okay, well, I've I'm been really... touched by an angel. Have you? I watched the show. I don't know if that counts. Good I watched a bunch Lord. of them as a kid. Yikes, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm dumb. So, Witchtober, <laughs> successful episode number one of Witchtober through Dipshit Files, number 77. Thank you guys for listening. Yes. We appreciate you guys. We appreciate our trusted turd triad of mm-hmm. Don, Chris, and Bodie. You mm-hmm. guys know who they are. They do a bunch of stuff. Yeah. We appreciate it. They're doing a bunch of stuff for uh, Zachtober. I don't even... Am oh, I allowed to say it? Zachtober. It's, it's so nice. I love that. You guys are very sweet. Yes. And uh, oh boy, I don't even know what to say. There's than, so much stuff going on. You guys sure know how to promote a podcast. I'll tell yeah. you what. You guys are <laughs> helping us so much by doing that. And warms my heart Mm -hmm. but thank you to don chris bodie and to our trusted turd herders yes i have too many syllables for everything i know you you're a you're a a multi-syllabic individual i am but trusted turd herders pj and Minnie are always doing our reddit and Mm -hmm. doing cool stuff there but there's so many of them doing so many different groups Mm -hmm. we've got scat memes we've got scat eats we've got Mm -hmm. scat games we've got scat fucking for your emotionals Mm -hmm. there's jargoneers you guys are awesome. It'd be fun to, I don't know, get a Zoom meeting together or something and just look at all your faces and see what's up. Hey, we do have another scat uh, music group as well that I think is spearheaded by Zach Ban. Heck yeah. So we've got Lucifina Lightbringer who does the scat crafters. That's right. David yeah. Carpenter's doing a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. OJ Montez is helping us in the Jargoneers. Absolutely. There's so many. And then, of course, the meme army. Mm-hmm. Corbino and Funky and Labardi And mm-hmm. there's so many of these wonderful people. So much fun. Yeah. And sorry if I didn't mention you this week. Uh, You know I will next week or the Mm -hmm. week after because I'm looking and I fucking... We're carving names on tombstones Mm -hmm. and building Mm -hmm. statues. And there's got to be some sort of mural thing done Mm -hmm. at some point with all your faces. It'll be fun. Imagine the mural of all the battle scats. Every one of them, too. Not Mm -hmm. one excluded. The battle scats. Everyone that says, hey, I want to be on the mural. Every one of them gets to be on the mural. (laughs) That'd be a cool, big-ass mural. I'd be for it. All right, info at scatcast.com is how you get on the dipshit files radar and let us know what you're thinking. Patreon.com forward slash scatcast is how you can help us very much. Mm-hmm. And thank you for all the new patrons lately. It's been awesome. 
Uh, we're going to do something fun here in the shitbox live at some point soon mm-hmm. for the month of Witchtober. Yes, we are. We planned on a date, but we're not going to say yet. We don't know exactly because right. we're still trying to get all of the acrobats and the clowns. Oh, do get it. You know, that kind of shit. Yeah. So that's the way it is. Thank you for listening. As always, we'll talk at you in the future. And it'll seem like the present. Bye. Bye. Bing. Bing bong 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 bing bong 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 bong